Grab your Bibles and uh, get them out. Um, one last thing on worship and prayer. Just, just what we have been feeling for this year, two things, prayer and um, outreach is the two things that we've been feeling. And it's, it's not that we're going to add a bunch of outreaches to the schedule. We have a few, and we'll do a few intentional outreaches as a church. I'd like all the ministries, men's, women's, youth, um, small groups, I'd like them all to do some outreaches this year. Um, so there are some intentional times that we're going to do outreaches, but really what our heart is is that these times of prayer that we come together would become the furnace in our hearts for the overflow outside of the church. In other words, you would take what you receive here and become the church everywhere you go and touch your family, your friends, and your world. So that's the heart of it, is that it would overflow into um, just the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit and touching the world with God's love. So, all right, this week um, I'm going to do a part two on what we uh, kicked off last week um, on January 1st. We did an online-only service last week, and thank you, by the way, for allowing us to do that. It gives a, a week for all of our serve teams and staff members to have a week to just chill out and rest. We, we go hardcore all year, and uh, we thank you for allowing us to do that. So we did an online-only service, and I'm going to do a part two to that message that I preached last week online. Um, so today, the power of intentionality, part two, is what we're talking about. One of the things that the Lord has given me a burden for is to help people reach and step into their God-given destiny. There are many ways to do that, but one way in particular is to help people live a focused lifestyle. Listen, a focused person is a powerful person. An intentional person is a powerful person. Every individual has a plan, purpose, and destiny from our Father in heaven. However, it is my, my firm conviction that we do not automatically step into that destiny without some intentionality in our lives. I want to ask the question, what are the intentional decisions that are standing in between you and your God-given destiny? It's not overly complex. It's not hard to find the will of God for your life. Um, it's, it's not like you've got to jump through a bunch of hoops. But I do believe there are some intentional ways that we must live to step into the fullness of what God has for us. How many, um, just as an example's sake, how many know that it was the plan of God for the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. It was the plan of God for them to go in and take hold of and possess the promised land. Every time they took a step forward, make no mistake, it was God who enabled them. It was God who helped them. But sometimes that meant them kind of standing back and letting God do the work. But more often than not, when they went into the promised land, it involved them actually taking up weapons and fighting. In both cases, God helped them, enabled them. But they had to partner with God to be courageous, obedient, and faith-filled. What were they doing? They were acting intentionally. And it's the same with you and me. If we're going to step into God's destiny for us, then we need to be intentional with our lives. One of the ways we can do this is by setting God-centered goals. God-centered goals. Um, and by the way, I don't care if you're 7, 17, 
or 75. There is a purpose for every season that you're in in your life. You could be 80 years old and you're here and like, well, I fulfilled my purpose. Well, maybe you did when you were 40, 50, 60. But listen, every season of your life has a purpose. And again, again, if you're 7, 17, 75, there are intentional decisions that we have to make to maximize what God wants to do in us and through us in every season. And so one of the ways we can do that is by living and being goal-oriented people. Now, what is a goal? A goal is just simply a target to shoot at. And how many know that a target, if you're shooting, at, if you're, if you're shooting a bow, there's, there's the bullseye, then there's an outer ring, and there's an outer ring outside of that. Well, listen, um, even if you don't hit the bullseye every time, the fact that you're shooting at a target and hitting the target is better than nothing at all. 80% of a goal is better than 100% of nothing at all. And so that's what a goal is. So today I want to do like I did last week and uh, give a few keys on how to set and keep God-centered goals. Now, I, I want to, if possible, disassociate this message from New Year's resolutions because New Year's resolutions have an incredible failure rate um, for many reasons, some of which we will talk about. Um, so perhaps I should be teaching this in July so that no one's making the connection. But we're going to talk about goals. And um, yeah, it's, uh, the year's already begun, so, but don't worry. You can, you can, if you want to do them within a calendar year, just pray about it for a couple weeks during the 14 days of prayer and then, and then see what the Lord leads you to. So I want to give you a few practical keys. Um, before we do that, I want to review some content that we talked about last week. So um, how to set and keep goals. Point number one was this. Point number one is keep it simple. Keep it simple. It is unlikely that anyone will set five major life-altering goals and keep all of them at once. That's too much to bite off at once, right? You and I, we're humans. We are creatures of habit. And breaking a bad habit or setting a new habit is very disruptive to our human experience, okay? And so here's my advice. Keep your goal list short and only insert at a time one significant life-altering goal at a time. Um, I'll give you an example uh, from my life. Um, my stretch goal for this year, I have a stretch goal, and my stretch goal has to do with time management. My wife and I are busier than we've ever been in our entire lives. I love it when we first got married. We had so much time. No kids, so much time. We went on dates all the time. So money, time, all this stuff happening, you know. Um, we don't have any time anymore. And in order to do the things that we need to do, take care of ourselves, be a family, kids, school, sports, run a church, all those things, we have to, we have to get a hold of the calendar. So for me, in order for some longevity in my life, <clears throat> I've got to mastermind the calendar. So that's my stretch goal that's what's mostly life-altering for me this year. Now, in addition to that, I didn't, now I didn't set five life-altering goals. That's too many. I wouldn't keep them all. But I have some simple goals mixed in that as well. For example, um, if you're like me, a lot of times at night you're laying in bed and you're like, oh, I didn't brush my teeth. Um, I'm just going to fall asleep. I'm going to go to bed. And so one thing I want to do is I want to I floss every night. Okay, so that's, that's not a major life-altering goal, but it is an adjustment, and there's a little bit more intentionality involved 
and that goal. So I have a few of those small, not-so-big-deal goals that are just involve a little more intentionality and then one major life-altering goal, okay? Um, this is, the, and I came up with a theme for myself for 2023, and I encourage you to kind of think of a, a theme that you want to have. And this is what I felt like, pray, I prayed and processed this with, with the Lord. This is what I felt like I got for 2023, um, that I need to be executive in time management and disciplines, but childlike in faith. Okay, I want to be executive time management decisions, but I still want to be childlike in my faith. And so um, that's what I'm doing. Okay, so point number one, keep it simple. Point number two, write it down. Okay, I know this seems like a dumb point and a, and a simple point, and it is simple, but write it down. That, will make, that's a, that makes a major difference with goal keeping. Don't just keep your goals in your head. Otherwise, they'll just be hopey, wishy things. I kind of hopey, wishy, yeah, I'd like to do this. Listen, um, if you want to take it seriously, write it down. In Habakkuk 2.2, the Lord said this to the people. Um, he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Okay, so what are we going to do? You wanna, if you want to be intentional, you have to write it down. Keep it in a place where you can see it. Keep it in front of you, okay? Um, that might be your bathroom mirror, your car, a bookmark. Uh, write your goal down, keep it in a place where you can see it all the time, okay? That's point number two. Point number three in review, make it measurable. Make it measurable. Listen, a real goal is measurable. Um, you say, I want to save money. Okay, well, that's kind of a general ambiguous goal. But here's a specific goal. I want to save $50 per paycheck times 52 paychecks, $2,600 a year. Okay, that's a specific goal. That's quantifiable, okay? Um, here's a general goal. I want to get in better shape. That's kind of an ambiguous goal. Like, yeah, I'd like to be in better, like who wouldn't like to be in better shape, okay? Um, here's a specific goal. I'm going to go to the gym three days a week for a half hour. So, for example, you could do this. I'm going to go to the gym three days a week for a half hour times 50 weeks out of the year um, equals 150, Okay, that's a specific measurable goal. It's three times a week, 12.5 times a year, 100, or I'm sorry, three times a week, 12.5 times a month, 150 times a year. That's specific and measurable. Okay, and, and you might say 50 times out of the year instead of 52 because of vacations, etc. okay? Um, but I promise you, it seems silly and like, wow, this is overwhelming. I promise you that type of specificity and... Um, Intentionality will produce much better results. It's specific. It's measurable. I'll give you an example from, from my own life. Um, typically, throughout the year, typically I wake up, um, not really early, I wake up about 7 o'clock. Um, and ma mainly because my kids have to be at school soon after that. And that's kind of like, eh, let's get the kids up, let's get them to school. Well, a problem is school doesn't last all year, right? And so oftentimes in the summer, it's like, eh, I'll sleep in a little bit and Pretty soon you're sleeping later and later, and it's like half your day gets, not half your day, but, you know, your day gets eaten up. And so a simple um, adjustment that I want to do is I want to um, wake up a half hour earlier than that. I want to wake up at 6.30. But instead of just saying I generally would like to get up at 6.30, I actually quantified that goal. I actually made it very specific. And here's what I decided. I'm going to get up six days a week, Sunday through Friday, because Sunday is a work day for me. Sunday through Friday times 50 weeks out of the year is 300, 
That's a very specific um, number. So minus Saturdays and vacation days, I'm, I'm going to get up at 6.30. And so far, I've done that six times. So good job, Kurt, right? <laughs> so, thank you for the applause. Now, if I fall off the wagon, um, I don't know if I'm going to get up here in a minute. But <clears throat> I'm just saying, whatever your goal is, make it measurable. That's a real goal, okay? Um, now, those are the first three keys I gave. Keep it simple, write it down, make it measurable. Um, now, I want to take a step back, and I want to talk about the heart of goals, the heart of them. Uh, and frankly, this point should have been probably the first point out of all of these, um, but I didn't give it on the online service because I just wanted to keep it very simple for that first one. But here it is. Point number four is this. Start with who. Ask the question, who do you want to be? Or more importantly, who does God say you are? Or who does God want you to become? Okay, who do you want to be? That's, that, before you start asking the, the why and the what and the how, start with who. Who do you want to be? Um, maybe you, maybe you uh, wanna, want this statement to be true of yourself. I'm the kind of person who has a good marriage. I'm the kind of person who saves money. I'm the kind of person who is generous. Uh, I'm the kind of person who works out whether it's cold out or hot out. I'm the kind of person that be, can be trusted with a lot of responsibility. Um, I'm the kind of person who spends time with the Lord every single day, okay? Ask um, who you want to be, who does the Lord say you are, and build your goals from those statements, okay? Now, let me give you four categories that you might consider. Um, start with who, who do I want to be in four categories, maybe in your faith, your family, your fitness and finances. Okay. Those are like four really common areas where you might ask the question, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be in my faith and my family and my fitness finances, Frankfurters or any other F words you might think of. Okay. <laughs> and not the one you're thinking of, by the way. Okay. So who, who do you want to be? Ask the question. Um, let me take, for example, let me take, for example, faith. Um, so here's my, here's my faith, um, who I want to be in 2023 in faith. I actually wrote out what I, want, what I want to be true of me, okay? So this is what I said in faith, which is my relationship with Jesus. I have a deep friendship with the Lord. He knows me, and I know him. I am a man of the word. I am a man of prayer. I take everything before the Lord, my past, my present, my future, my hopes, my concerns, my fears, my frustrations. Okay, again, I'm not saying I do all these perfect. I'm saying this is who I want, this is what I want to be true of me. I do not go to the world for identity and comfort. I go to my Father in heaven. He supplies what I need. I am obedient. Jesus is my first love and my priority. He gives me grace and I receive it. Okay, that's, those are the statements that I want to be true of me this year. And from that place, I've, I've built some application and some um, action plans, okay? And again, it's, it's like he gives me grace. He always gives me grace. <clears throat> but do I always receive his grace? Okay, I want to get better at that. So here's the application. I, I ask the question, when, where, and how much time will I um, allocate specifically to the Lord in my quiet times? Um, number two, application. I am disciplined, but, but I also have spontaneity in my relationship with Jesus. 
And then I turn that into an action plan. Action plan is this. Specifically allocated uh, daily time with the Lord, spontaneity, vulnerability, and trust. Okay? And then again, I made that into my goals. Now, let me give you a key. Um, and again, you've got to make this yourself. You've got you to ask these questions for yourself with the Lord. But I want to give you a key to finding out who God says you are or who he wants you to become. Here's a key. Find out who God is, and he will show you who you are. Find out who God is, and he will reveal you. Um, everyone, I don't know, everyone's on this journey of, like, finding themselves. i got to find myself. And they're out on a journey around the earth looking for themselves. Listen, if you're Christian, I found you. Your life is hidden in Christ and God. Okay? I found you. It's in Jesus. And that's where you'll find the real you. Okay? Let me give you an example of how this played out in one example in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, we were just in Israel, and we came to this region, Caesarea Philippi. Um, I love this story. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Speaking of himself. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he asked a very important question. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? By the way, that is the most important question any of us will ever ask in our lifetime. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say the Son of Man is? He's like, hey, boys, what, what do you say about me? Who do you say I am? Peter got the right answer. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Okay, I want to pause real quick. Peter found out who God is. He got a revelation of who God is, who Jesus is. Now, God is going to reveal who Peter is. Okay? Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter got a revelation of Christ, and Christ gave Peter a revelation of who Peter is. Find out who God is, and he will show you who you are. Get a revelation of Christ, and he will reveal you. That's where your life is. Your life is hidden in Christ, in God. This is very, very, very important when we set goals. We want to set goals according to who God says we are. I'm not just trying to get everyone to like set a bunch of goals here. No, I want you to find out who God says you are and according to what he says about you, set your goals. It's very important that we do it that way. And let me tell you why. Psalm 127, one says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Okay? If you find out who you are, and you're in agreement with the, who the Lord says you are, and you're building a house, you're setting goals, you're laboring with the Lord. We're co-laborers with Christ, are we not? There's labor involved. He does most of the heavy lifting, but we're co-laborers with Jesus. And so many goals and New Year's resolutions and those things are just vain because they're completely void of who God says we are. And even if you, even if you achieve the goal, even if you achieve 
the objective, it, it doesn't mean you didn't labor in vain, okay? And so setting goals with God and fulfilling them with the Lord is what we want to do. So start with who. Who do you want to be? Who does God say you are? What do you want people to say of you when you say, like, when they talk about you? Oh, yeah, I know that person. And this is some things that are true of them. Or, or you know, we'll use a really kind of a grim example. But what do you want people to say of you at your funeral? They're like, he was, uh, you know, kind of angry all the time, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Think about that. What, what do you want to be said of you? Who does God say you are? Build your goals from that place. Maybe you've always been bad with money, but is that who the Lord says you are? Maybe you've always been out of shape, but is that who the Lord says you are? Remember, we just used Peter as the illustration here. And how many know that after this, after Jesus said, Peter, you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't overcome it. After this happened, Peter went on to deny the Lord three times. But that's not who Peter is. That's not Peter's true identity. Jesus didn't say, now, Peter, you're the failure who denies me. He said, no, Peter, you're the rock. Okay, So we're not defined by our failures. We're not defined by our mistakes. So maybe you've always been out of shape. That's not who the Lord says you are. Maybe you're bad with money, but is that who the Lord says you are? Maybe you've had a problem with lust for a long time, but is that who the Lord says you are? And maybe some of us here, you can set a goal and you're going to do this where you're going to go a whole year without looking at pornography. You're going to say, you know what, I'm going to get serious about this. I'm going to invite some accountability to my life. I'm going to get some help. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go this whole year without being bound by lust. Come on. Maybe you've been bound by that, but that's not who the Lord says you are. So start with who and build from there. Okay, I have to give you two more quick keys and we'll be done. Point number five, find your culture. If you want to quit getting drunk, maybe, maybe, just pray about this, don't hang out at the bars. I'm just suggesting it, okay? Uh, If you want to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord, hang around fiery believers who can encourage you in relationship with Jesus. Go to a men's group, women's group, small group, um, go, to the, go to the prayer groups, go to the youth ministry, hang around the fiery believers, right? Find your culture. If you want to start a business, maybe join an entrepreneur small group or surround yourself with business owners or people who think the way that you want to think. Maybe you don't think that way, but you want to. Surround yourself with people who think the way you want to think. Find your culture. If you want to get out of debt, maybe do a financial peace university class. Or hang around business owners or people who are good with money. Find your culture. If you want to get motivated to work out, go to the gym. Why? The gym has more than workout equipment. I'll tell you what the gym has. A fitness culture. Okay? That's what people are doing there. And you get more out of the gym than just the weights. You get a fitness culture. Surround yourself with the people that you want to have cultivate the behavior in you. Okay? Find the culture of people who are doing the thing you want to grow in. This is really important. Many of us trip ourselves up because we set out to do something, but then we, we keep surrounding ourselves with the same people. And then we wonder why we act like the people that we surround ourselves with, okay? How many times in Scripture did the Lord tell Israel when they came into the promised land, say, 
hey, don't intermarry with these tribes. Don't mix with them. Why? Because those tribes didn't have the culture to cultivate God's goals for them. Okay? Those tribes didn't have the culture to to, uh, cultivate the goals that God had for the children of Israel. He said, so don't intermarry with them. So here's the deal. Surround yourself with people who have the culture to cultivate God's goals for you. Find your culture. Point number six, last one. Invite accountability. You want accountability when you set a goal, and you want accountability to keep a goal. Um, Before I set goals for the new year, um, again, I don't call them New Year's resolutions. I just call them, like, annual goals, you know. And by the way, a goal is just something that you do long enough until it becomes a habit. Then you don't need it as a goal anymore because it's a habit in your life, okay? But before I set out goals for the new year, um, I prayed about them. I took them before the Lord, and I processed them with the Lord. And I said, God, I allowed feedback. Lord, speak to me about these goals. Why? Because I didn't want to build a house that the Lord wasn't building. I didn't want to labor in vain. And then I took those ideas I had, those goals that I was thinking about, and I brought them to my wife. And I said, and, and she helped me make adjustments with those goals. And she took her goals to me, and I helped her make adjustments. And uh, for the sake of example, you know, um, there was some, some things in, that relate to fitness that I was thinking about doing. I'm, I, I'm a runner, and I, I run like a certain amount of miles a week, and it's not that important. But um, I was thinking about running a little bit more and kind of expanding that. And Emily was just like, you know, you already kind of have a stretch goal for this year, and you're already pretty intense with what you're doing in regards to fitness. I don't think you have time to add anything else that you're not already doing. In other words, she kind of she kind of just talked me off the cliff a little bit. It was like, and she's like, you know, if you if you're gonna run a race in the summer or something like that, you could do a training block where you're a little more specific leading up to that race. But as far as a baseline fitness for year round, like. I don't think this is going to work for you. You already have things that you've decided you're going to do. So what did, what did I do? I was accountable with the ideas I had. I, allow, I allowed her to help me make adjustments, and she knew that it was probably too much, and I needed to simplify it just a little bit. One of the problems we have when we set goals and the way we think about goal-oriented people is we always think more, 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 more. It's never enough. It's never enough. i got to do more. That is not what this is about. In most cases, this is about doing less, but being intentional with the things that we're doing. Most of us should be doing less, but being really intentional with the things that are actually important, okay? So I just, we submitted those ideas to one another. We prayed about them. We processed them. We, we really put it, put it down and, and, and talked about it. And so, and now we're helping keep each other accountable to those goals. And Yes, there's grace. We're, we're aiming for 100% of the time on those, but there's grace. And if we hit it 90% or 80%, that's still a heck of a lot better than zero, right? Amen. Can I get a witness up in here? Okay. If you really want accountability, tell a few people your goals, put them out there, and invite them to check on you every now and then. If you're really bold, put it up on social media and don't delete it later on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. I'll conclude with this. What if the only difference between a mediocre marriage and your best marriage was a few goals? 
What if the only difference between a disconnected relationship with your kids and a loving connection with your family is just a matter of better planning? What if the only difference between you going to debt, going into debt to take a vacation, and you going on vacation with no debt at all is just a budget and being a little bit better with money? What if the only difference between what if the only difference between God's best version of you and who you are today is a few godly goals, God-centered goals? What do we need to do? Number one, keep it simple. Don't do too much. Number two, write it down. Number three, make it measurable and specific. Number four, start with who. Start with the identity God's given you and the identity you want to have. Number five, find the culture to cultivate the goal. Number six, invite accountability. Amen? Why don't you guys stand to your feet? Before I pray, I just want to remind you that we're uh, kicking off that Thursday night prayer meeting, 6.30 to 7.30. We aimed for an hour. It went longer because it was so good. Come on. And uh, again, that's Thursday, 6.30, 7.30, basement youth room. It was a rocking, awesome prayer meeting. But I want to pray for you, and then I'll have Leslie um, close our service. Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual in this house. Lord, I thank you for the plan, purpose, and destiny you have for our lives, Lord. Would you speak to us, Lord, about whatever little adjustments we need to make, whatever specific goals we need to set, Lord, the intentionality we need to have, Lord, to achieve the objective you have for us, Lord. Would you help us with that? We submit this to you, Lord. I pray every person would just take this, bring it before you, process with you, and allow you to speak into our lives. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for grace when we uh, do stumble along the way, Lord, but we know you love us and have amazing things for us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. amen.